So I, I get the question a lot, are you the pastor here? Um, and I'm gonna give you the answer, yes-ish. Um, so if you're, if you're first time here, we have no paid staff, and that's kind of rare for a church. We don't have any paid staff, so no one's really fully, you know, the pastor because nobody gets paid, but there's a leadership team of about 10 people that, that really try to guide the affairs of the church, and so we're kind of a funky-looking place, and we can tell you more about that another time, but my name is Brian Pelfer. I'm one of the guys on the leadership team. I do a little over half of the teaching here, but in any case, it's good to have you guys here with us. Um, I added this extra row up here because I don't know what it is, but nobody ever sits in the front row anywhere. And so I figured if I added a row, then people would fill in in the second row, which was really the first row up until today. So I tricked everybody. But for the couple that are, you're in the, the spit zone. So people know, I think, Brian spits, so sit second row. Um, but second row, first row, I still might be able to reach you guys, you know? So, um, well, today, um, I want to start with a story. So, I, um, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I feel like I do so much driving. I leave my house and I go here. I leave my house and I go here. I leave my house and I go here. And I get so sick of driving the same way all of the time. And it's one of the things that my oldest son gets the most mad about. Because if we're driving from point A to point B, he's like a math guy. He's like the fastest distance between two points is a straight line. Where for me, yeah, but I drove that this morning three times and I went there and there and there. So I'm going to go this way. And so I kind of go the back way and kind of weave through the neighborhood. And you can see his face just... Why? You know, but I get bored. I want to go different directions. Anybody else like that? I feel like when you do that, you get to see things from different angles. I feel like when I drive by and see how many weeds are in some people's yards, it makes me feel better about the weeds in my yard, you know? So I feel like, but you see things from different angles, you have a better appreciation, you have a better understanding of the area as a whole. Like, because I drive through, like, the neighborhood behind my house, I kind of can see how my house fits into this neighborhood. And so I say all that because we're going to take a long, the long path today. Most of you have probably been to church on Easter, and so you kind of know what the sermon's about. There's, there's probably half of you that could probably come up and preach the sermon if you weren't scared of public speaking. Um, I've heard it said by, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld that said, the two greatest fears in life are one, death, and number, well, it's number one is public speaking, number two is death. And so most people, if they're, they, if they're up in front, they'd rather be in the box than giving the eulogy, you know? So it's, it's crazy. But, but most people could probably preach the message that comes on Easter Sunday. And because of that, we're going to take the long direction, okay? So to do that, we're going to go back. Like, we know that Jesus rose from the dead, right? And that happened around 2,000 years ago. We're going to go back to th about 2,000 years even before that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this long cut. I'm not going to make it real long. I, I can't preach for longer than an hour and a half, so we should be out of here by... <laughs> just kidding. So, but we're going to go back 4,000 years, about, and we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to bring it to about 2,000 years ago, and then we're going to bring it to today. Does that make sense? That's where we're headed. So... Here's the thing. We're gonna, um, we've been going through the story of the Bible as a whole. So that's what these little banners are here. In the very beginning, God created everything. And then he said, you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that's the big X. And then... Um, Everything else points forward to something else happens. And we know that something else that happens is Jesus came and he died on a cross and he rose again. And, but we're going to uh, step back into this pointing arrow. 
So here's the story, though. There's a, God shows up to a guy by the name of Abraham, and he says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to give you a threefolded promise. Number one, I'm going to give you a land. Number two, I'm going to make you a great nation. Number three, I'm going to bless all of the world through you. So then Abraham has a kid named Isaac. Isaac has a kid named Jacob. Jacob has 12 kids. We're going to talk about one of his 12 kids. We're really going to talk about all of them, but specifically one of them, and his name is Joseph. You can find this in the Bible in about Genesis 37 to 47, kind of that type of range. That's where we're going to be. Um, so you can look up that later on. But there's this guy by the name of Joseph, and here's a little bit about the story of Joseph. Joseph is the second youngest brother, okay? I was... Um, the youngest brother, my brother beat the crap out of me all the time until I got as big as him, and then it stopped. And then he started taking Taekwondo, and then it continued again, you know? So, but, um, but he's the youngest of the brothers, right? And so think about how many older brothers he has that are picking on him, that are beating him up, and all this different stuff. Well, one day he comes to his brothers and he says, I had a dream last night, and in my dream, you guys all bowed down to me. So, younger brothers, what would, you, what would happen if you said to your older brothers, I think you're going to bow down to me one day? Well, what happened was the older brothers didn't like that, and they decided that they were going to kill him. So, what happens is they get so mad at him, and one day what happens is that they, they, hate, they hate him for it, and they're jealous of him because he's loved by his father. The father loves him more than any of the other kids. He gives him this coat made of many colors. How many of you people think that they're the favorite son, favorite daughter? That's me. Um, don't tell my brother, though. Uh, but they're jealous of him. They hate him because their father loves him more than any of the other brothers. And so one day, the brothers are out in the field, and the father sends the brother, and he says, go see seek out your brothers. So he goes to seek out his brothers, and that's when they decide, let's kill him. So they conspire against him to kill him. And really what it is is they doubt his bold claims. His bold claims are, one day you're going to bow down to me, and they're like, nope, not going to happen. We're going to conspire against you, and we're going to kill you. But one of the brothers decides, you know what, this, we probably shouldn't kill him. We probably shouldn't kill him. And he decides, he says, what benefit would it be to me if we kill him? We should sell him instead. So they sell him into slavery. But before this, they throw him into a pit, they strip him of his clothes, and he has no water in this pit. And then Judah turns him out, the guy's name is Judah, the older brother Judah is like, what benefit would it be for us to just kill him? Let's get some money for it. So Judah gets this money for him, they sell him into slavery. So he goes into slavery, and then this is a crazy thing of what happens. He, he's sold into slavery, and he becomes the second in command for the Potiphar, which is like the, the military assistant guy of Pharaoh, okay? So he's, he's second in command, and then Potiphar's wife, she's a babe. She's a 10, right? And so she's like, hey, Joseph, come, come to my house. And he's like, no, no, listen, my boss has given me everything except for you. I'm, I'm not messing with that. I got a good boss, got a good job situation here. I'm not ruining that. She gets mad. So she says, well, I'll just pretend that he raped me. So she accuses him of rape. He's innocent, but he gets thrown in jail. So picture you. Here you are. You're the younger sibling. Your brother sold you into slavery. Now you're accused of a crime that you didn't commit, and you're thrown in prison for it. And you're innocent. You know, you got to be thinking of all this bitterness and this frustration that's going on inside of you. But, but Joseph, he's in jail, and guess what happens? He earns the respect of the jailer. 
and he becomes the second in command of the jail. And during this point in time, he has another dream. Well, excuse me. People have dreams, and they come to him, and he can interpret their dreams. So now he's telling them, hey, this is what your dreams means, blah, 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 blah. And one of you guys are going to be okay. The other one, you're going to die. And um, so then he is still in jail. And those guys, the one guy gets out, and he's hanging out with the Pharaoh, right? And the Pharaoh says he has this dream, and he asks people to interpret. No one can interpret it. So they're like, you know what? When I was in jail, there was this guy named Joseph that could interpret dreams. Maybe we should get him. So Joseph comes back into the story, and he interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And the dream is this. There's going to be seven years of great amounts of food, and then there's going to be seven years where there's no food at all. And Pharaoh says, you know what? You're in charge. You get the keys to this. You're going to figure out how we're going to store the food. You're going to figure out who's going to get the food. And so he kind of holds the keys to life. And so this is all that's going on with Joseph. But the thing is, is even though all this stuff that's bad happens to him, God was with him. He wins the respect of the jailer. He, um, what the, this plan was meant for good. He's punished, though he's innocent. He, um, God is with him. He's raised up to the right hand. He has the keys of life. He rec- uh, he, then what happens is the brothers, right, they're still back. They got no food. And they hear, hey, in Egypt, there's food. So they go to Egypt, and they're like, hey, we want some food. And they come to Joseph, and you know what they do? They bow down before him. And so this 4,000 years ago story, these brothers who sold him into slavery come, and they bow down before him, and they say, hey, we need some food. Can you give us some food? They don't recognize that it's him, but he recognizes that it's them. What would you do? You've been in jail. (laughs) Yeah, You've been in jail. You've um, been years of all of this. And there's a verse that I love in the midst of this that says that his compassion for them grows. This amazing grace for his brothers who sold him into slavery, for his brothers who, who really determined the course of him being in jail, of him going through all of this suffering. And he sees them and he, he weeps for them. And he gives them food. And not only does he give them food, but then he says, hey, listen, go back. And they still don't know it's him, but he says, go back and get more people in essence. So they go back, they get more people, and they come back to him. But, but eventually he reveals that he is who he is. And they have this great embrace and this great time together, right? And, uh, but he sends, them on, he sends them on the journey. They go and they bring more people back, but he gives them all that they need. And there's this amazing verse, uh, Genesis 45, it said, verse 5, it says, uh, the, Joseph is speaking to his brothers, and he says, God sent me to preserve life. So Joseph views that even though you guys sold me into slavery, God was doing that to preserve your life. And you see this amazing picture of Joseph giving this grace, and he sends them back. They go get their family, and they come back to the land, and he gives them the land. He gives them the best of the best of the land. He um, dwells with them, and he transfers them from where they were, where death was imminent, and he brings them to a place where they can have life and an abundant life. And that all happens 4,000 years ago. But if you really think through all of those things that I just said, it points to something else. It points to another guy 
Another person who, I flipped my paper over and I lost, there we go, another person who's hated. It's Jesus. There's another guy who's loved by his father. There's another guy who people are jealous of. It's the religious people of the day. There's another people who's sent by his father to seek out people. It's Jesus. There's another person who's conspired against. There's another person whose bold claims are doubted, and it's Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the life, and the truth. No one gets to the Father but through me, and people didn't believe that that was true. There's another one who's stripped of his clothes. Jesus on the cross is wearing just his loincloth, right? He's stripped of his clothes. He's put in a pit, in essence, but the pit is on a cross where he has no water. Just before he dies, they give him some sour vinegar to drink. But the text, what happens 4,000 years ago, is pointing to something that happened 2,000 years ago. And in it, he's got no water, no pit. Judah, remember Judah sold Joseph into slavery. It is the same Greek name for the word name Judas, who is who sells Jesus into slavery. The text is pointing forward to another person who would be dead. Joseph was viewed as dead. All of the brothers thought he was dead. The dad was told he was dead. And so he's dead, right? But then he appears. He's still alive. And Jesus, it points forward to another guy who will appear to be dead. But he wasn't. Well, he was, but he came back. The text talks about another person who God will be with, another person who will be punished even though he's innocent. The text is pointing forward to another one who will be raised to the right hand, but it's not to the right hand of the Pharaoh, it's the right hand of God. The text points forward to another person who had been given the keys to life. Joseph could decide, do I give you food, do I not give you food? Well, Jesus is who ultimately gets to decide who comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father unless the Spirit enables them, and, and that Jesus is in charge of that. The text points forward to another person who will go through massive suffering. It'll be another person who people won't recognize him. Remember, after Jesus rises, they don't recognize that it's him until he like allows them to recognize him. The thing that's crazy, though, is we said, what would, you, what would you do if you're Joseph? And we said, nope, no food. They were his enemies. Joseph's brothers were like his enemies. They sold him into slavery, and, and he has compassion on his enemies. The text is pointing forward to, to 2,000 years ago to Jesus who has compassion on his people and who will provide even for his enemies. The text points forward to another one who will weep over his people. The text points forward to another one who will reveal himself to people. And it's Jesus. It also text points forward to the fact that those of us who are followers of Christ have been sent on a journey to go get more people to bring them to him. In the text, Joseph gives them what they need, and the text is pointing forward to Jesus who wants to give us what we need. God was sent Joseph to preserve life. The text is pointing forward to Jesus who was sent to preserve life. 
But it doesn't stop there, right? The, the, the amazing thing about the resurrection, it's not just all those things. It's that one day Jesus is going to give us a land where we will dwell with him. We will be given the best of the best. The, the Bible describes heaven having even streets of gold. The text is pointing to Jesus who will transfer us from where death is imminent to give us life. So as we're sitting here and we're talking about the resurrection, we look at this and we see that, you know, in a sense, Joseph resurrected from the dead, right? He, he never officially died, but everybody thought he was dead, and then he appeared alive where Jesus, so that was 4,000 years ago. Then it's pointing forward to something that happens 2,000 years ago, and it's that Jesus would really, really die, and then he would come back. But the thing is, is we come here on Easter and we celebrate the resurrection, it's not just another day. It's not just a day that we're like, oh, cool, okay, I guess I'm going to dress up a little bit. I'm going to wear shorts and people will think I have white tights on. And so it's not just that. It's more than that. It's more than that. Easter is a day that we can point forward and we can see that even though we are enemies, we have grace. We said that if, if we were Joseph and our brothers came before us and bowed down, we wouldn't want to give stuff up. We wouldn't want to give it to them. Think of the forgiveness that Joseph displayed. And that is nothing compared to the forgiveness that Jesus offers. There are people even in this room that right now you are struggling with guilt and shame over things that you have done. Maybe even things you did last night. There are people in this room that you are embarrassed by things in your past. There is forgiveness. There is forgiveness from a loving, gracious God who, who wants a relationship with him. When, his, when the brothers came and bowed down before him, not only did he give them what they needed, but he gave them relationship with him. And the resurrection is not just another day, but it's a day that we can see that it's not about wearing specific clothes or singing certain songs or going to church that day of the year, but it's about a relationship with God. It's about forgiveness that he offers. The, the resurrection means that he came to preserve life. God sent him to preserve life. The resurrection means that we can have forgiveness of sins. The resurrection means that Jesus came even for his enemies, that while we were yet his enemies, he died for us. Joseph went before them, right? He was sent before them so he could provide for them. John 3.16 is a verse that many people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He goes to preserve their life and in John eleven twenty five 25 and 26 says this. John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus says, I am the resurrection in the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Joseph was thrown into prison, but he didn't remain there. Jesus was put in a tomb, but he didn't remain there. If we look at this and we think that Jesus is still in the tomb, then it means a vastly different thing for us than if we realize that he is no longer in the tomb. Because what happened 4,000 years ago points to something that happened 2,000 years ago, but that points to something that can happen today. Do you know what it is that can happen today? Is you can die to who you were and you can rise as Christ. And I know that that's true because September 21st of 1998, my life was in shambles. Some of you weren't alive yet. But my life was in shambles. And the course that I had put my life on was headed this way. And through Christ and Christ alone, I died and was raised up with a totally new trajectory of my life. The, the resurrection points forward to the fact that God wants to do the same thing even now. He wants people in this room to die and rise up looking like Christ. And the thing that I think that is so amazing about the Bible is you have this thing that happens 4,000 years ago that points to something that was going to happen 2,000 years ago, and even that points forward to what Jesus wants to do in people's lives today. Jesus wants to offer forgiveness. Jesus wants to raise you to be a new person in Christ. And the hope of Easter, it's not just a day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a day that Jesus wants to do things in each of our lives. Let's pray. God, um, I realize that there was a lot of suffering and pain that went into the death on, your death on the cross. And God, I'm thankful that when you were put in that tomb, that that was not the end of the story. And I'm thankful that when, when my life was spinning out of control, that was not the end of the story. God, I am thankful that when I, your enemy, came and bowed before you, needing something different, needing food because I was suffering of famine. I bowed before you and you didn't turn me away, but you offered grace. God, I realize that there are people in this room that are probably struggling in a lot of different ways. And God, what I am so thankful for is the fact that you will not turn them away. You will not give them a thumbs down, but you want to give them life. God, I thank you that you offer forgiveness and hope. And so God, I pray that people who, who are here today, that they will experience that grace and that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.